the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development with 820 AM The Word. I have a very special guest with me today. He's Commander William Stewart, Jr., He's the district chaplain of the 13th uh, Coast Guard District here in the Northwest. Commander Stewart, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. It's really great to be here. Well, you and I were speaking right before we started recording this, and and you said, call me Bill. So I'm going to call you Bill, if that's all right. Please do. Well, this is exciting for me to be able to speak with you today because I have a heart for the chaplaincy. I've had the opportunity to speak with lots of military chaplains, and lots of first responder chaplains. We've had um, first responder chaplain organizations here on the heart of the city, and mm-hmm. and it's there's such an incredible need for that ministry, and there's an incredible need to ask more people to join you in that opportunity as well. There sure is. Yeah. Well, I, I, heart of the city is, a, is about people sharing their, their personal lives and how they became um, uh, part of the, their vocation that they're in, and we're going to do that today because I'd like to learn more about you. How long have you been living here in this area? We've been in the uh, Seattle area now for um, a little about, oh, four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we live over in uh, Seabeck uh, off of the Hood Canal, just uh, gorgeous over there. And uh, we just, my my family and I just, we all love it. Yeah, yeah. Now, you are, so I'm looking at your shirt and uh, your uniform, and it says U.S. Coast Guard, but you are considered U.S. Navy. How does that work? That's right. Your Coast Guard and your Navy both. So Navy chaplains are kind of unique in that we serve uh, all of the sea services. So um, we're Navy, but we also uh, go with the Marines when we're needed there. We uh, also go with the Coast Guard and then all of the the various units with all of those uh, branches. So, yeah, kind of unique that we we get to see and do a lot of things, and we get the honor of putting on the different uniforms uh, with who we're serving at the time. Hmm. How many years in the Navy? Uh, it'll be 34 in April. Uh, it's been quite a ride. <laughs> uh, it sounds like it. You don't look that old, Bill. You you look much younger than 34 oh, years in the Navy. You're kind. <laughs> I'll find an ATM and pay you for comments <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, let's go back. Uh, by the, your accent, I can tell you're from the Northeast, right? You New York, Boston, yeah, right? The yeah, the Boston area. It yeah. always comes right through. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> no, actually, where are you from? I'm, I'm an Okie. I'm from Oklahoma. Uh-huh. I grew up... Uh, about 30 minutes east of Tulsa, uh, outside of a little town called Inola, about six miles outside of that town on, on a little farm uh, there, and uh, that's, that's where, I, where I was raised. Interesting. What was life like growing up in Oklahoma in the late 60s, early, or in the late 50s, early 60s? It, 
It was wonderful. I tell you what, you know, I, I look back on it and I talk with my mom. My dad passed away here about four years ago, uh, actually on Valentine's Day. He had a mm. silent heart attack, and I, I miss him dearly, but I still talk with my mom a lot, you know, about those years growing up. And it was just an incredible upbringing. We didn't have a lot of material things as such, but we sure did have a lot of love. I mm-hmm. got a brother and three sisters, and and uh, we we had cows and, and hogs and a humongous garden that— uh, I remember tilling that garden a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet <laughs> but, you do. But I learned about life there, and uh, and then also uh, grew up in the First Baptist Church of Inola. That's where I we attended, and uh, that's where I gave my my life to the Lord. Actually, at the age of nine years old. Nine years old. So, what was that experience like? Your your family obviously grew. You grew up in the church, probably. Yes. And so what was your family experience like there at the Baptist Church? Was uh, parents involved or was it just you that attended or how did that work? No, uh, both of my both of my parents were very active and and really my entire family. My mom at at first more active. Uh she she made me get out of those be- that bed on Sunday morning and That's her job, and, right? And go to church. Oh my goodness. And now I'm I'm so thankful. And dad actually started getting very active in the church later on, started teaching Sunday school. Mom, uh, she she worked in the nursery. That was her passion. She did that for, um, I believe, something like thirty to forty years. Wow! She just everybody knew mom. She she loved children, and uh, we had some incredible, incredible uh, pastors, men and women of God that that really molded me uh, in my in my Christian walk. Yeah. Well, you uh, like me. I grew up in the church, but yet there is a there comes a point in time in every person's life where they've got to make a decision as mm-hmm. to who Jesus is and why why Jesus came to this earth. Uh, what yes. was what was that experience like for you at nine years old when you uh, decided to give your life to Christ? You bet. That's that's a great question. I look back on it now, and and I believe that uh, I knew who Jesus was. I knew what He did on that cross. Um, for my sins, I knew that he was resurrected, and he was God incarnate. I think I was limited in my understanding of all the theology that goes goes with that, but uh, I remember walking down the aisle in that Baptist church saying, I, I want to know God through Christ. I want to, I want to be a child of God. I want to, to, um, to have real life. Uh, that's promised in the Bible through Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, at nine years old, I knew what I knew. Right. Not a whole lot more, but uh, but just started growing a deeper you know, relationship with Christ over the years. And it was really the men and women of that church. I'll never forget it. Uh, again, it was, uh, it was a Southern Baptist church, and we had something called Royal Ambassadors, mm-hmm. RAs, and these different groups that, uh, my goodness, and in fact, it was that church that ordained me. And I've got a list of all these gentlemen, all these deacons and pastors that uh, that wrote in the Bible they gave me when I was ordained. And many of those men are are uh, and, and women, uh, they're uh, they've gone to be with the Lord, but mm-hmm. uh, they sure do hold a special place in my heart. Well, mentorship and that kind of relationships of 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 uh, investing into young lives is important. And we're going to talk about how that's working in your life right now, as mm-hmm. far as investing into the lives of young people as a chaplain. 
So high school, and then you're deciding uh, kind of what you're going to do education-wise as you move on in, in, in Oklahoma and home. Did you stay around the area? Did you? I, I did. In uh-huh. fact, uh, Mom and Dad, again, two of the smartest people I've ever known in my life, but uh, neither one of them made it through high school. Um, just uh, it was the times back then. And uh, so when it came to college, I thought there's no way. We don't, we don't have the finances to do that. But I remember in the chemistry course, uh, one day, there was a guy with a long beard that came up and, and uh, pointed at me, uh, got the teacher's attention, pointed at me, and, and Mrs. Augustine, she said, Mr. Stewart, somebody here to talk to you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> I'm, I'm in so much trouble. Right. But he had heard me play the drums, actually. I'm a drummer, uh-huh. and now my kids are, uh, a uh-huh. lot better than me. Uh-huh. Uh, but he, he uh, brought me out, and he said, you know what? He says, I've heard you play. He says, I've got one full scholarship I can give out. If you'll come be my drummer, uh, we'll, we'll give you this ride. It uh, uh, was the old Oklahoma Military Academy, became Claremore Junior College, and now it's Rogers University. Uh-huh. But that changed my entire life. I got my little dime out, I think it was, and plugged in the payphone and said, Mom, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to go to college. Wow. You know? So it, it really uh, changed my life. and Got a degree in computer science, but everybody else did about that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, What year was that? That was in 19, went in in 1981, mm-hmm. um, and uh, again, it was just a two-year college. Had a scholarship lined up at another university, but I was kind of brought up to where if you didn't have the money to pay for something, you didn't buy it. That was right. our how I was brought up back then, and I didn't have enough. I didn't feel. So about that time, there was a Navy recruiter <laughs> that got a hold of me and was very impressed with what's called the ASVAB score, a score you uh, or a test you take to see kind of where you're at and what you can do. And and um, they were excited about my ASVAB score, and I was excited about a nuclear electronics technician bonus. They were laying down in front of me mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm. hey, if you'll get through this, this is what we can do for you. So next thing I know, I was off to Great Lakes, Illinois. Great mistakes, as some <laughs> people call it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, in, went through boot camp, never been away from home. Very, I was very lonely, very homesick. But uh, made it through and then started the electronics portion yeah. of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, the Navy training. Well, I grew up in Illinois, and and I always say all the wind in the world does go through Chicago first because <laughs> it's really windy. Oh, isn't it's it? the coldest place <laughs> I ever <laughs> yeah. experienced. I remember walking to the chapel one day, and my my glasses were all caked with ice. Uh-huh. And just walking there and. And every time I would breathe through my scarf, it'd come up and stick to my glasses. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was just incredible. Yeah. But, uh, but it wasn't something that was, you know, meant to be, uh, Chuck. I, I um, uh, right at the end, uh, the, the entire training program for nuclear electronics technicians, about two years, I mean, with boot camp. And uh, at the end of the electronics portion, I think I'd been about a year and, and uh one of my really close friends took his life, and it changed me. Uh, I couldn't even think for a while, and uh, I grew up with my friend, and he went to church with me, and, and he was just an incredible musician, and I couldn't think for a while, and there was a great uh, great Navy chief that pulled me out, and I guess I was doing so well, uh, they wanted to, to keep me because he, he said, uh, you know, we verified everything that's happened, and and he said, but you can't keep going like this. And he said, it's going to get stress, more stressful when you go into nuclear theory. Would you, would you be interested in going to another field? And I said, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he said, uh, what do you think you would want to do? And I said, well, 
maybe start helping people not do what my friend just did. Yeah. You know, help them with life and, and understand there's more, you know, and there's ways, you know, that, that they can be helped. And he said, he said, you know, there's a brand new program out for enlisted called Religious Program Specialist. Uh, they call them RPs in the Navy. Mm-hmm. He said, you'd be working with chaplains and supporting them and doing all that they, they do, supporting them. And he said, you think you'd be interested in that? And I said, you know what? I think so. And next thing I know, I was off to another A school in Treasure Island, California at the time. And uh, A little bit warmer than Great Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little, little bit warmer. Uh, the, the way that they treated me when I was a younger rank, I thought they accidentally put me on Alcatraz <laughs> instead of Treasure Island. But uh, it was wonderful, and, yeah. and uh, it changed my whole career path at that point. Yeah. Well, it is interesting how the Lord does use circumstances in your mm. life and uh, incidents in your life to help change your thing. And, and sometimes it's traumatic things that help somehow the Lord uses that to draw, you know, to, to take you down a path that you never expected. Before. Oh, that's so true, Chuck. And that that's really, that's how I explain it. I, I know the good Lord didn't cause that. He didn't want it in right. my friend's life, but he sure did use it after it occurred to uh, to reroute my my life and and um yeah it just changed everything well and, yeah well tell me about your first duty station what did you do after you got out of uh a school for to be an rp yeah well that was kind of interesting because if you if you become a or if you're the honor graduate if you get the best in the class they try to give you your your top one of your top three choices so we call it a wish list right and, and uh, I had never been anywhere other than maybe Texas to visit my relatives. And so here's this big, bright world out there. And I uh, I put down uh, Florida. I always say, oh, Florida is just beautiful. And I put down Hawaii. And I thought, I know it's a long shot, but my, my heritage, my uh, paternal heritage is Scottish. I thought, oh, I'm going to put down Scotland. By golly, I'm going to take a big leap. Who knows? Not thinking I would get it. And sure enough. My first duty station was on the USS Hunley. It's a submarine tender at the Boomer Base uh, in Holy Lock, Scotland. So there I was off overseas and and uh, seeing more than I ever thought I would. It was incredible. Well, this would have been probably, what, about 1983, 1984, right around in there? That's right. Yeah, I went in in, in 1984 in, uh-huh. in the Navy. So about uh, a year later, yeah, eighty. I think I was over there 85 and 86, if I remember right. Right. Good experience for you? Good experience, but a hard one. Again, God was working, you know, in my life, and it was a very confusing time. I I think it's one of those times in my life where I I was kind of sprouting my wings and and wanting to do my own thing, and quite honestly, I started going down some wrong paths and wanted to uh, uh, live like the Dickens and, and start living like the world does. And uh, I went off the wrong path. And this, the, the thing was, Chuck, I, I couldn't enjoy it. It huh. was tearing me up. I was, mm. I was wanting to go out and do what so many other people were doing. And uh, I was very, very unhappy. And I remember one time laying in my, my rack, and they were three high on the ships. I was in the middle rack and had my curtain pulled, and I was in tears. And I, I remember literally saying, God, get the heck out of my life. I, I don't want to follow you anymore, and I don't, and I can't enjoy this way of the world. And it was a big battle, uh, a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And uh, I remember that that night, just breaking down in tears and realizing my walk with the Lord can't be superficial. It's got to be a surrender, 
and it's got to be surrendering everything. And that's what I did that that day, uh, that night. And uh, from that point on, I realized, hey, God, my life is yours. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm yours, totally yours now. And uh, that was the beginning of, of really ministry for me. Well, yeah, there is a point, isn't there, uh, in, in, in our lives where when we are serious about our faith, sin isn't fun anymore because mm. the Holy Spirit does convict us, doesn't he? And, and there's right. that conviction there that, you know, that those that aren't sensitive to that can go out and, and have, you know, fun for a while. It wasn't fair. I was <laughs> like, no, this is right. Right. They look like they're having fun, and, right. and I was just miserable. Yeah. So what happened next? You're in Scotland, and you've you've kind of re reaffirmed your faith and your commitment to the Lord. So yes, what what happened next? At that point, I didn't know exactly what the ministry would look like, but I thought, you know, if I'm going to devote my life to it, I need to be educated. I need to to uh, devote part of my life in, in preparation. So at that point, I started looking at. Um, I think I had about a couple more years left uh, in the in the active duty Navy, or two and a half years. And I started uh, sending out uh, applications or, or getting information from all the different uh, Christian colleges, and mainly in in um, Oklahoma and, and Texas and, and some other places as well. And that was the old day I, I tore up the, burned up the typewriter, you know, right. writing these letters and sending them all. And it was so exciting to uh, to start getting those back and and starting kind of uh, plotting the the uh, my future as far as preparing for ministry. And, um, yeah, it was just incredible. And, um, and then started taking some more college courses uh, towards my bachelor's degree for when I, for when I got out. So I, what I did was I left the active duty. Uh, I was stationed in Australia at a communication station, took even more classes there, and then got out and went to uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, college called Hillsdale Free Will Baptist College in Oklahoma. Uh, I think it was originally part of the Hillsdale College uh, is it Michigan? I can't remember Michigan. where. Michigan, mm-hmm. and um, just an outstanding experience. So I got my bachelor in theology. Went on to seminary, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And during that time, I was kind of figuring out what ministry might look like. I knew my life would be devoted uh, to our Lord, but I didn't know exactly what the picture would be. I started uh, doing some uh, short-term missionary work and going some places, mainly in Brazil and Japan, and. Um, uh, decided that uh, my and I was in the reserves at the time, right. Navy reserves, which allowed me to to do that. And uh, uh, thought for a while maybe missionary work. And uh, I uh, thought, well, you know, in Japan, um, they don't really need medical services, but what everybody wants to do. I was trying to figure out a way to to meet people naturally and mm. share Christ with them, and it was teaching English. The Japanese, right. just, they all want to learn how to speak English. So uh, people ask me, uh, you know, are you bilingual? And I'm like, well, I'm fluent in Oki, and I'm working on my English. So I thought I needed to, <laughs> yeah. to go back to school. So I, I went and uh, uh, ended up going all the way back to Oklahoma City University, and, and lo and behold, my future wife, I came from northern Japan, and she came from Tokyo, and um, we were both wanting to get our master's in linguistics and how to teach English as a second language, mm-hmm. and that was another, oh my gosh, that's not odd, that's God deal, because it was not planned at all, Right. and uh, anyway, it was beautiful. 
Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development. And our guest today is Commander William Stewart, Jr. He's the District Chaplain of the 13th Coast Guard District. And, uh, Bill, you know, it, it is interesting to hear your story because all of these things and all of these experiences lead up to, you know, a decision to finally go into the chaplaincy mm-hmm. and, and to become a, a chaplain. And uh, you ended up uh, spending time in uh, in Iraq. Tell me yes. about that. In fact, that was a big transition. I was with uh, with the Seabees, uh, the Fighting Seabees at that time. I was their battalion chaplain, and they got deployed uh, in 2005. And so I was over in Iraq, 2005, 2006. And uh, my goodness, uh, that was something like I'd never experienced in my life. Um, I remember getting on my knees uh, one night and saying, God, I, I really need help with this. I don't know what I'm going to face, um, and uh, I really need your help. But it was an incredible ministry over there in, in Iraq, and uh, I got to serve with the CBs, got to serve with uh, uh, a lot of Marines as well, and, and the other branches as well, because we all had uh, similar missions over there and or would be working together. So... Um, it was a very hard time over there, but um, yeah, I went over there to Iraq, and, and uh, when I came back, um, I started getting calls uh, uh, from uh, actually some senior chaplains saying, Bill, why don't you come back on active duty? And, um, and I didn't tell you, but before that, I, I transitioned from RP and became a chaplain, mm-hmm. um, and a big decision there, but uh, then went back into active duty. And I've uh, been keeping on, keeping on ever ever since. Well, you've been at it uh, with the Navy 34 years altogether, right? Yes, sir. And, uh-huh. uh, and how many years as a, cha- as a chaplain now, as a full-time chaplain? Uh, came on as a chaplain in 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, you know, I, I've got a, a, a booklet here that you all gave to me called Notes from the Field. And... Um, uh, there's a chaplain, Daniel Curtis, that uh, has a little note here in, in the book, and it says, When I heard the call of God, he said, I dreamed of a congregation that drew people together from every tribe and tongue and that proclaimed hope in the face of despair. I opened my eyes in Afghanistan. The light was filtered through dust storms instead of stained glass, mm-hmm. and the cathedral was a mere tent. But the majesty of worship rose with our voices, and the grace of God was palpable to the congregation. The congregation was small, but it was broader in race and culture than any I'd preached to before. There in front was a young man I had baptized in Iraq. Behind him was a woman afraid for her family at home. We prayed for our sisters and brothers, and we prayed for the everyday struggles of ourselves Mm -hmm. and our families. In the face of despair, we proclaimed hope, and in my heart, a dream was fulfilled. Beautiful. Yeah, that that says it says it very well. And yeah, the ministry over there, you you never knew where it was going to take place. It'd be in a foxhole. It'd be, oh my goodness, all all over in the Alambar province is where where we typically were. And a lot of people ask me, you know, is it really true? There's no atheist in in foxholes. And I say, well, I, I can't honestly say that. But they were a lot talk- more talkative with me than normal. <laughs> it just puts you in that environment where you really lean on each other and you, you think about life. And uh, you get to be there as a, as, a, uh, as a person who gets to share Christ, you know, through our life. And, and they can see that. Yeah. Well, life is really 
is is very real there, isn't it? I mean, they're sure dealing, uh, you know, service people are dealing with family issues back home. They're mm-hmm. dealing with their own personal struggles, their own personal temptations, and then the 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 struggle that they're in there in that in that theater, mm-hmm. as far as the war is concerned, and all the issues that are going on there. Life is very real and very upfront, as opposed to sitting in a nice studio in Seattle. Absolutely. I think the unknown is the most difficult thing on the human psyche, honestly, and there are just so many unknowns, and you get to be kind of a, a steady rock. Yeah. Well, we've had an opportunity, Bill, to, to share your story, but uh, I'd just like you to take about 30 seconds and encourage those who, who may be thinking about the chaplaincy. What would you say to them? I would say that uh, besides my relationship with the Lord and my family, it's made more of an impact on my life than anything else. You, you get to serve those who serve, which is just an incredible opportunity. You get to show them love no matter where they come from, and you get to really uh, you get to be uh, a person that can uh, can exhibit Christ, you know, out there in very, very difficult times. It's just wonderful. Well, if you want to know more about the chaplaincy, you can call area code 206 206- You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.